You're listening to Making Money Online with Lisa Johnson, the podcast that tells you what it really takes to build a business and the simple steps to get you there. I'm determined to share with you the reality of easy, simple business marketing tips to make passive income so that you can start making money online. Hi, and welcome to this week's podcast. I have a great conversation for you today, guys. We're going to really love this one. I'm here with Emma Clayton. Emma helps entrepreneurs scale their businesses. So if you think about it like from people who have a kitchen table business and scaling them to becoming a CEO at the end of the day. So that's what she does. But today, what we're actually going to talk about is the cost of being a female entrepreneur, which sounds like... You know, when you first hear that, you're like, what do you mean the cost of being a female entrepreneur? We're going to get right into it. It's a really important message. So, hey, welcome to the podcast, Emma. Hello, good morning. Hello. So, why do you care about the cost of being a female entrepreneur? Gosh, so many reasons. Why do I care? So, well, I'm a mum and I'm a single mum and I really care because I have a daughter who is 13 and I want her to see a big difference to what is currently going on for the women around me. So let me just explain that. So I left a big corporate job, a really great career, and just couldn't do it anymore. The system failed me. We see this so much. And about 80% of women are leaving employment into self-employment, either, you know, entrepreneur or just setting up their own little businesses, anything from Etsy up to, you know, people like yourself with eight, nine figure businesses. A lot of it is coming from I have to leave my work to move around, you know, my commitments in life, whether it be adult social care, children, whatever, or, you know, there's a lot of misogyny in the workplace, or they'd be made redundant from the pandemic. It's not a, oh, I've got an amazing idea. Let's go. No, same with mine. Mine was exactly the same as that. I needed to leave because of childcare commitments and because I had a boss that was a complete knob with those two things. Well, mine was a circle of all of that. You know, everything sort of compounded and I went, I'm out of here. I'm off. I'm done. So I became a consultant and I realized that the guys that were doing very similar work to me were nearly double. And I was really getting hacked off. And I thought, what? Why? I'm actually better than them. Like, why are they doing that? I've got more years experience. So I started to get a bit curious. And then as I got my agency together, I started to really see a pattern that women around me were really holding themselves back. So when I had like a big freelance team, the guys had come and they'd want probably about 50% more than the women, but the women were way better in how they managed their time, how they showed up, how committed they were to the team. You know, they went above and beyond. And I just started to see this pattern that women were operating very differently to men in this space. And the more that I've researched it, the more I do see that there is a big cost to being a female entrepreneur, not just in money. Women are you know, setting up these businesses on their credit cards, on their loans. They're not getting better access to mortgages like guys. They're not investing in pensions. So there's a big financial cost. Yeah. But there's also an emotional cost. Mental health problems are high. You talk about bullying online. Women are petrified of that. And when they do put their head up, they are... Really, you know, if they're getting bullied, that this is the place and to it do it. Really, happen in the same way with men. I've spoken to men; it doesn't happen in the same way. No, it doesn't. And I think women are not coming online because of it. I mean, we've seen since two thousand and eight that there's been an increase 
in women that are self-employed, 69%, because the digital age has allowed us to work from our kitchen tables and then pick the kids up and come back. So we've seen this big growth, but actually what we have not seen is the support for these women in starting up their business, in the skills and education. I mean, I don't know about you, how much have you invested in yourself since becoming self-employed? Many, many pounds. (laughs) Me too. And I kind of go, oh yeah, I knew about that. But I've paid like a thousand pounds for a course that I knew the answer to because I didn't feel confident in some kind of way about what I was doing or, you know, I was looking for reassurance or I was looking for community as well. Yeah, there's definitely a validation piece when it comes to women that men don't have. Like they go for something and they go and do it because they've been told they can. I think with women, we've often been told we can't. And so we have to believe in ourselves and that takes more effort. 100%. 100%. It's tribal as well. You know, if you go back to cave days, women built communities, you know, we're not very good at, you know, operating in isolation. We're always looking for that external piece, aren't we? And, you know, we, we want to be part of the pack and we don't want to stand out. And so there's a lot of that going on, but there's also, you know, relationship costs, you know, I, I, for me, I lost friendships in the first two years of becoming self-employed because I'd either neglected them or I had one friend that worked for me and it just blew apart our relationship. I feel like I missed two or three years of really being present as a mum. There's, you know, mental health. There's so many different costs to this health issues. You know, people are developing or ignoring chronic health conditions because they're like, I'll just get to next week. I'll just get to next week. So there's all of this stuff and it's just compounding. And I am... fed up of it and I think we could do better and I've always been a bit of a gobshite so I'm like right (laughs) I'm off to go do something about it so um and and you know I get triggered by articles that Rishi Sunak put out in Sunday Telegraph about two weeks ago you know saying we need more female entrepreneurs and Alison Rose has done this big Rose review about we need more female entrepreneurs it's costing the economy 250 billion pound come on well, what about looking after the ones you've already got? Yeah, first? let's make it a bit easier for female entrepreneurs then instead. So you've been asked to contribute to Parliament on this, haven't you? I have, yeah. Very so, excited. So what's that for? Explain a bit around that. So it, the government uh, operate as the government do, but what happens is you'll get behind the scenes, you'll get all of the different parties come together to collaborate on certain issues. There's probably about, well, there's there's loads of them. They're called all party parliamentary groups and you get all the MPs that care about a subject come together and they, over the course of a year, will pull research, highlight issues, put a report together and then put it into the business ministers or the health ministers or the environment ministers And this is for the Women in Work All-Party Parliamentary Group, which is uh, run by Jess Phillips and Annalise Dodds. And last year was all about how can we build back better for women after the pandemic. But this year, it's all about the cost of being a woman. And I was at the last meeting and sort of put my hand up and said, well, what about all of these? You know, there's probably about two million female entrepreneurs here. Can we maybe talk about them? So they've invited me to be part of the panel this year. And in that, I'm going to be presenting and representing female entrepreneurs in the UK around the cost of being a female entrepreneur. We need more representation on this. It's so important. And one of the things that you talk about a lot is not just the cost of female entrepreneurship, but the gender pay gap in general. 
I saw a lot of this. Obviously, I worked in an investment bank, so you can imagine the differences there, and not just in the pay gap, but also in if you have a child, you're seen as lesser than because you can't work over a certain time and all of that kind of thing. And I have found that loads of my clients who start up their own businesses is because of that one thing. Like they felt undervalued the second that they had to work the actual hours they were paid for rather than more hours than that. What can be done to change this? I mean, I feel like we've been talking about it now for years and years and nothing's really changed. Nothing has changed. And I think the difference is that we've got the Equality Pay Act that came in in the 50s and we're starting to get there a little bit in some sectors. And then you've got the gender pay gap, which is a little bit separate, which is around, you know, uh, the four day week, the flexible working, the home working. And women are having to go into lower paid jobs as a whole to be able to accommodate. So you've got equality pay and then you've got gender pay gap. The pay gap is starting to really narrow in employment. So they got it down to 17%. It's still not good enough, really. And one of the things they're going to look at this year in this report is, is just that. But as I keep saying to everybody, we have got this growing group of women who have left employment because it hasn't worked for them. And, you know, what about these women? Because what they have identified, the IPSA research in 2018, before the big pandemic boom of this, you know, demographic, is that there's a 43% pay gap here. And that is where women are not charging the same as guys because of confidence or because, you know, imposter syndrome, we get, you know, we hear a lot about. But I think generally we're just not taught how to do this thing. We come because we go, I'm an expert in this. You know this because of, you know, everything that you do. I'm an expert in this. What are you an expert in? Go out and share your expertise. And women are starting to come around to that. But then what's not following is the skills of how to, really do that you know business skill training and pricing training it's business skill training it's uh, knowing how to sell it's knowing how to price it's knowing your worth and I think that it's prevalent in our industry this Uh, even with me like I'm somebody that feels really confident to charge what I'm worth and then I will speak to a male counterpart usually in the US that is doing exactly the same as me and, te- you know, get, it earns the same amount of money as me, is getting people to earn the same amount of money as my clients are, all of that kind of thing. And he's charging five times what I'm charging. And then I think, is it because we're being taught mainly by women who have taught women who have taught women and therefore mm-hmm. the problem continues? And so what I started to do is listen to a few male coaches and male mentors to see if that actually changes the picture and honestly it does a little bit and I think that if we had better education around how to sell or even just how to have a business in general and you know I'm always trying to push this I think it's so important that we we teach from from really a younger age about business then it wouldn't be such a shock to the system because what most women are doing when they start business they're not just starting it you know, most people I know don't start it from the age of 17. They go into corporate first. They have been in the working world first where they're already treated as a sort of second class citizen. And then they start this. Why wouldn't, you know, of course they're going to see themselves as not as good as or can't charge as much as. It's really difficult to see how we change that systemically. So the three things that I really want to put forward when we do this in in April is three things. The first, like you say, is around that, you know, start earlier. So I'd like my daughter who's 13, you know, when she gets into GCSE to start compulsory to look at, you know, financial management, 
look at, you know, one-term mortgages, the other pensions, the other, how do you build a business enterprise? You know, currently she's doing a sustainable development project on Nike. The other kids are doing it on Starbucks. So they're learning sustainability of business, but actually what about the numbers of business? So that's the first thing. The second thing is that we are not given um, any sort of startup funding. And as a result, because you've got like, you know, you're going to pay for five grand to start with a coach to tell you how to do it, then you literally will take anything that anybody gives you to cover that cost. So you'll go, right, well, so somebody came to me the other day and I'm sure they won't mind me telling you this story. But she said, oh, Emma, she said, I just don't know what to do because I priced this piece of work at £750. And I found out that I lost it because this guy priced it at six grand. How did he get that? And I just said, well, you just told everybody that you're not very good, you know, because that's that's the psychology of pricing is that, you know, if it's too cheap, people don't think you're very good. But we're not taught any of this stuff. And because we are coming into this in debt or with not very much money, we will take any price that's given to us. And then we're stuck there. Yeah, but then I think it's hard to change it, isn't it? Once you're stuck there, once you start, I I had this in the wedding business. I started charging a certain amount when I realized this and then wanted to put it up. It was really hard to do because people had already branded me as the cheap one. Yeah. (laughs) And then you've got to go through rebranding and and then that takes even more money. So people go, oh, I can't do it. So you're perpetually in this place that you've positioned. And then the third, which I think is going to be a big piece of this report this year across everything is childcare. Yeah. So there's a model in France where there's a guy with twins, you'll resonate with this, 80 pound a week to put his twins in full-time childcare because they subsidize it. And guess what? France have got the highest productivity in the whole of Europe. Go figure that one. 80 I remember when I was trying to think of how I could even be at work and have childcare. I worked for the first, I think it was the the first kind of three months of their life before I realized this wasn't sustainable. I worked for free because the amount of childcare was the exact same cost as the amount that I was getting paid. And so it wasn't really worth it. And then when I started my business, you know, because of the cost of having, I had to have people look after the kids. And yes, we work from home and that's brilliant. But working from home doesn't mean I can be a full-time parent at the same time. And yet when I talked about childcare, so many people went, we don't need childcare. You work, you've got your own business, you work from home. The word is work. I can't work when I've got two, you know, one-year-old twins with me all day. And we saw that in the pandemic, like last year, my business that I've recently sold literally was on a model of freelance women I had some headcount as well in there and the whole business fell apart it was like absolutely soaring we held our own against London agencies you know we were brilliant at what we were doing because I'd harnessed this home for women to be able to work around their kids and do what they were talented in soon as the pandemic hit everybody businesses went to the side homeschooling came first and you know women just couldn't do it they weren't we went back to the 30s Did you know that actually people used to get fired for getting married? You weren't allowed to work. Like someone told me that the other day, it's called the marriage ban. You'd got fired for getting married. You weren't allowed to even work in the workplace. Like this is less than a hundred years ago. No, I mean, we feel like, (laughs) it feels like it hasn't changed enough in this time. But yeah, I mean, if, if there could be some kind of, 
childcare, especially for businesses that even if it's not full time, but that I, I remember just in those first four years, if somebody could have taken my kids for just two to three hours a day, I could have done so much more and I could have made more money more quickly and then wouldn't, you know, would have been able to pay for childcare. But it was really, really hard, especially, you know, like you as a single parent, it can, I'm not now, but it can, it was, it was tough. Yeah, really tough, really tough. I mean, Molly was eight when I became uh, self-employed. I wish I'd have done it sooner. If I knew now what I knew then, I would have done it a lot sooner. And, you know, now I can see the potential of you can earn a lot more if you get this right. You've just got to be able to work with the right people that can show you genuinely. Um, I don't want to start another, you know, can of worms about the integrity of the industry. I know you do a really amazing job on that. But, you know, with the right people, you can get this right. And it is just having that bit of courage. I think that just saying that shows that there's an issue because both you and I didn't know there was a, a different way. Like I would never have even thought I can have a business, let alone make, you know, the amount of money I'm making now in it. It wouldn't have even occurred to me that there was a different choice from having a nine to five because no one, especially where I came from, had taught me that some people actually just start their own business. No one had ever said that to me. It blew my mind, like in my 30s, when I started to realize that not everyone walks the same path. Could you go back to an employed job now? I'm, I'm pretty much <laughs> unemployed. But if somebody, t- do you know why? There'll be one thing that would just bring the whole thing. I quite like being told what to do in some circumstances, but there would be, the whole thing would fall down as soon as they said, okay, well, you can't go on holiday because you've had your 20 days. Can you imagine? I'd be like, what? Well, no one tells me when I can go on holiday. Like even now it blows my mind that someone can tell you if you can go on holiday. This is why in my business recently, we've decided, you know, anyone can have as much holiday as they want. We're going to go to a four day week. There's quite a lot that I'm changing in my business because I'm not far enough away from four and a half years ago when I was in employment to not know how it feels for someone to basically dictate how you spend your day. Yeah, massive. Exactly. Probably see this in guys as well if they're not feeling confident. But I think that's why a lot of women are not scaling. They're sitting with just one or two people in a business because they want to be able to have that freedom. And they kind of go, oh, once I get a team, I can't do that. I'm back in the prison of corporate life. So you see, so and you know, the statistics have shown that you know women are leaving for that freedom. But then they're kind of like locking themselves into this non-financial freedom. But um, yeah, it is. It's an, it, people just want the freedom and the time freedom. But you can you can do more with your business if you want to do. I mean, you're a perfect example of this. Yeah, right? I still have freedom. I have a team. I want them to have as much freedom as me. And so that's where I'm going to now. I think it's really important that you know it's not just the ceo that has the freedom because those people left corporate too for the exact same reason so we need to share that around so with all of this one of the things that is brilliant is that you're passionate about making sure that women earn the money that they should be earning and the thing that you do for a living is actually helping people scale their businesses so going to that then what do you see as the most important thing that people need to do when they are plateauing and looking to scale their businesses I think they need to come talk to me. That's what I think they need to do. (laughs) Let me tell you why. That was really facetious. Let me tell you why. So there are different elements as to how you can do it. It's not just do one thing. You know, you've got to look at, I I look at it as five elements. I've got a framework I use called the elite framework. And within that, you know, you're looking at team, you're looking at understand your numbers. How do you get better cash flow, profit? How can you build a team around you that can take more? There's a massive mindset piece in here as well, like a big elite. And I don't mean mindset that we hear every day 
day, but like a leadership piece yeah. where you've got to be able, you know, you're an octopus when you start your business. It's just you, but you've got to be able to release each of those eight tentacles and pass them to other people and start to sit at the top of the ship. And I say, imagine it's a football pitch. You've got all the players, you know, the coach doesn't go on when there's a, a player down and there's 10 men on the field. The coach doesn't go on and sub for them. He goes, okay, play with 10 men, but I'll give you a different strategy. You know, he doesn't run on the field and, you know, stick his football boots on. And I'm trying, that's what I do is coach people to stay back in the bunkers and provide the strategy and stop doing the work because it will never happen. So there's a big leadership piece there. And then I think there's also this whole repositioning yourself back in the market, you know, coming in as the expert, coming in as the authority and the credibility. So there's so many different pieces to it, but I definitely think it's that whole, you've got to start to become a leader. You talk about this a lot, you know, what would a CEO of an eight-figure business do? And it's that. I see the same. I see quite a lot of businesses that have done okay, and then they get to the multi-six-figure mark and they plateau. And this happened to me too. They plateau. And you have to do something different when you plateau. If you keep doing the same thing, you're still going to be at the multi-six-figure mark. Like, this is just the way it is. And that happened with me, and we had to change a lot of things around. We decided to invest in some things, and that took us to multi-seven figures. And now I'm at that point where we're where we are. And if we don't want to stay where we are, I'm not sure that we want to move. But if we did want to move, we would have to do something different. Some action has to be taken that's different from the actions that you've been doing before. And that's why people like you are invaluable, because we also went to a scaling expert and said, right, what, what do you think is the best bet for us? Because every business is different. But I do think it's usually around that multi-six figure mark when people go, well, now what? Like we got to here, but I don't know how to get to the next bit. And they also get a little bit. So I work with online and offline. In fact, majority of work I've done has been offline, actually. So I worked with a fintech company. You know, they came to me. They were probably about seven figures just creeping in about eight, nine people in the business. And they were doing no marketing. You know, my jaw just hit the floor and I was like, what? Um, And it was all. Well, they were all sort of doing it with affiliates. So the affiliates were doing it, but they didn't have their own teams. They didn't have ownership of their strategies. And it was all over and it was causing total chaos in the business. And, you know, they were just like, oh, it's the money, it's the money. So I literally went in and uh, went in as the CMO with them part-time for about nine months. And we ironed it out, I built a marketing team and I left them and they'd gone to nine figures with a nine-man marketing team. Like this stuff really works, but you've got to almost take, you know, really deep breath and think, right, I've got to go into this process to get the outcome. And you've got to work with someone you trust as well. Yeah, you must love it when you get someone like that because you must be able to see right from the outset like I do, like I can tell what's going to change everything for them. I love it when that happens. It's like a blank piece of paper. So, I mean, yeah. I've got the whiteboard out. It's like, right, tell me about the customer journey. What? When do you communicate with them? Oh, we don't. I was like, what do you mean you don't? Like, what is going on? So, yeah, drawing it all out, mapping it. And then it's just so lovely to be able to just know, oh, my God, I'm really going to make something special. Yeah. yeah, I love that. Oh, it's amazing. It's been really good to chat to you. I, I love talking about this subject because... It's not just a subject for women. And often we think about it as a subject for women. It's a subject for men. You know, men are our allies in this. They need to help with it. Also, they have daughters. So if if they don't change anything, nothing's going to change. Like it's going to take all of us to change what's happening and the cost of being a female entrepreneur or a female employee. So if people want to come and see what else you talk about, where's the best place for them to find you? So I'm hanging out on Instagram a lot more now, Emma Clayton Strategist. 
or if you are just wanting to have a look at your prices and think, actually, if I did put them up a bit and I did put myself in full, you know, a full capacity, how much money could that operate? And I've got a calculator, as you know, uh, called it's at raiseyourpricing.com. So you can go on there and you can work out like it's tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands for some people. Somebody actually 370 grand over 10 years. You can buy houses with this stuff. So yeah, go and visit and see how much you're leaving on the table. So yeah, those two places. Oh, brilliant. We will drop those links into the show notes as well. Thank you so much for being Thanks here and having this conversation. I'd love to talk guys to any of you that have been in employment and left because of the gender pay gap or because of equality over in my Facebook group, the fabulous 5%. We'll have a discussion over there now that this podcast is out. And I will speak to you next week for another podcast episode. Have a good day, whatever it is that you're doing. Thank you for listening to Making Money Online with Lisa Johnson. If you'd like to get hold of my guide to launching, go to lisajohnson.com forward slash launch and let's get you making money online.